Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. In the Second World War, it was considered the deadliest substance in the world. And despite secret experiments by the Americans to see if they could use it against the enemy, the botulinum toxin was just too risky to use. Then, in the 1970s, a scientist who was testing it on monkeys discovered that it might be quite useful in treating twitching eyelids and crossed eyes. But it wasn't until the 1980s that there was an accidental breakthrough. Patients being treated for eye problems found their injections were also having an incredible effect on their skin. The doctors doing it realise, oh my gosh, they've got lovely smooth foreheads. In the decades that have followed, the use of that toxin, now better known as Botox, has become a $6 billion business around the world. Botox is the most common cosmetic procedure in the world, followed by dermal fillers, which is number two. Bookings for aesthetic treatments such as lip filler and Botox have gone up by 512%. It's gone from being the niche preserve of celebrities to being so common and so readily available that in 2021, an estimated 900,000 Botox injections were performed in the UK alone. But should this burgeoning industry be more regulated? Now we just get her to raise her eyebrows up. So these are expression lines. And what happens is, is over a period of time, they become more etched in into the face. This is an ideal indication for Botox. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, inside the Wild West world of Botox. I'm staring at you in a way that only Zoom calls allow, really. And honestly, your your skin looks really good. Have you had Botox? So one of the amazing things I noticed about working on the Botox article was that I realised every time I started a conversation, I would start it by saying, your skin looks really good to everybody who <laughs> I was doing a Zoom interview with. And after a certain point, you just think, just let it go, stop it. For Sarah Dighton, Botox has become a bit of an obsession. She wrote about it for the Sunday Times while trying to work out if it was a treatment that she should be trying. I think I've probably thought about it 
on and off for the last five to 10 years. It's been something that I've thought about. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting the way that that thought comes up. So it would be about 10 years ago that I first started to notice my cursed glabella line. And I thought... (laughs) thought Hang on, your water? (laughs) My cursed... The cursed glabella line. I'm looking closely at your face. Well, it's hidden by my glasses and my fringe. (laughs) What exactly is your glabella line? So the glabella line is, for most people, there are two of them and they kind of appear between your eyebrows. So they're like your vertical frown lines and they're often Ah. called the 11s but in my case I've just got one one of them (laughs) just like one very like aggressively carved glabella line (laughs) in between my eyebrows (laughs) is that Um, the only time you get to wish you had a (laughs) monobrow anything to cover it up (laughs) yeah so was that sort of a big concern of pretty much always had a tendency to a crease in between my eyebrows. It's not a new thing. It's not like I tipped over 40 and suddenly my you know, forehead started caving in on itself. This is like a well-established feature of my face. But at some point, I started to feel like it was a problem and I started to feel like it was a quote-unquote sign of ageing that I was uncomfortable with for whatever reason. And that process in itself is quite interesting. How does something about your own face that is normal that you've lived with for ages, what triggers it into being a problem that you'd like to fix? And just remind us, I mean, what what exactly is it? What is Botox? Um, that's a good question that taxes my ability to do Latin pronunciations. We won't, we won't <laughs> notice, I promise. Um, so Botox is botulinum toxin. So it is a toxic product of the um, of the microorganism that causes botulism. It exists in several strains that were originally isolated essentially for chemical warfare. So the origins of this beauty oh. treatment are... <laughs> Uh, Sorry, botulism and chemical warfare. This isn't sounding great. (laughs) Right. Um, When it first appears in the press, it's nicknamed the pretty poison. And there's a lot of, you know, sort of titillated horror about the idea that people are injecting poison into their face because they're so terrified of ageing. So Botox comes into use as an aesthetic treatment during the 1990s. It's initially licensed in America as a muscle relaxant that's used to treat eye issues, like Mm. squints, for example. And the doctors doing it realise they've got lovely smooth foreheads. This resolves their wrinkles. This is very exciting. I should say at this point, actually, we talk about Botox as though it covers the entire class of injectable aesthetic toxins. But actually, it's just the brand name for one particular version of it. For, I think, botulinum strain A is Botox. But there are multiple others that are also licensed and in use and work in a very similar way. But because Botox was first to market and Botox has develop this incredible cultural cachet we just tend to talk about botox when really we mean injectable toxins for aesthetic use how does it start to be used by the beauty industry it's not something you can buy yourself and take home no it has to be prescribed and that's still the case because obviously it's a very powerful toxin and so after this inadvertent happy side effect of reducing wrinkles is discovered it really just explodes. It takes off so fast. I think in 1997, there is a Botox drought 
because all of the extant supplies of botulinum toxin have been exhausted by the demand of the beauty industry. <laughs> so there's quite a stressful... A botox summer. drought. Right. I mean, there are like, reports in the New Yorker of this slightly stressful summer for socialites as they try to <laughs> like, get the last of the Botox in their foreheads. Definitely a first world problem. Um, <laughs> what was the initial response to this new beauty treatment? How were people who had it viewed? And how does that change over time? So the initial response to it, was pretty hostile. If you look back on the early reporting of it, there's a lot of descriptions of sort of Stepford faces. So this idea that by having Botox, you're having yourself crafted into a sort of a perfect impassive robot. A lot of criticism of people who are seen to have overdone the Botox. Got depression, but no expression. Having fun with Botox. Got great style, but you can't smile. Having fun with Botox. I remember specifically there was a lot of chatter about Nicole Kidman with someone who was especially singled out as being seen as having had too much Botox and damaged her face. Not permanently damaged her face, but limited her ability to act was what people said about her. Uh, Nicole Kidman got photos of her attempting to smile. She is <laughs> she is over in can, frozen. Most cases, most people who you see in the public eye who have Botox, you would never look at them and say you've had Botox because ah. it's been done well. It's just when in most cases, most people who have it will have a small amount done that will just kind of soften the edges of their aging face rather than try and give the impression of being radically younger, which is one of the reasons it's so popular, actually. So people who've had it and are happy with the results tend to talk about it making them look more like them or more like a less tired version of them or a slightly happier version of them. Okay, so it doesn't completely change the way they look. No, just them on a good day. They look just healthier and like they've had some sleep. That's the ideal for Botox. And it's not the result that everybody sees. And certainly as you get down to the you know lower ends of the market where you can pay very low prices for what is effectively not a serious medical intervention, but it is a medical intervention. It is something that needs to be done seriously and carefully. And I spoke to people in the process of writing this who were like, oh, there's a midwife who lives around the corner from me who gets in and does it at her kitchen table. And it's just, that's terrible. Yeah. That's very bad. That doesn't sound entirely safe. And Sarah, just give us an idea of if you were to get Botox, you know, what what is the sort of scale of costs? I mean, what is a good price and what is worryingly cheap and what's worryingly expensive? I would not expect to pay less than £150 per area. Obviously, that cost is going to increase depending on how many areas of your face you have treated. So my main area of concern is the <laughs> glabella line that we've spoken about in intense detail. But if I wanted to have like a bit added to the corners or if the profession I was who I was talking to said, we can have a great result on your Clabella line, 
but we'd need to balance out the rest of your face by, I don't know, like tweaking the corner of your mouth or something. Because those are the kinds of things that a good professional will take into account will be the balance of the whole face rather than just treating one area. And so that would increase the cost accordingly. And then paying less than that, kind of dentist surgeries offer it for I think I saw it was about 90 pounds and then bottom of the market even to say private practitioner is giving them too much <laughs> credit yeah. really so somebody um, at their where, kitchen table right where you might pay 50 pounds per treatment and obviously the further down the market you go then you're definitely not getting the kind of expertise that you would hope for so Sarah, it sounds like, you know, you've now got real professionals who know what they're doing, who've spent a lot of years training, who know how to balance out the face and make it look as unobtrusive as possible. Hopefully now a good Botox experience means that you don't look vastly different. You just look healthier and less tired. Is that partly why it seems to have become more socially acceptable? I mean, what point did that happen? Well, I don't think it fully has become socially acceptable. One of the things I found quite interesting about working on this article was I put up a Facebook post just saying, I'm writing an article about Botox. I'd love to talk to anyone in my circle about their own experience. And in the comments on the post, there were a few jokes. There were people telling me about having had it for medical reasons. So it's used as a migraine treatment. Um, One of my friends is having it to treat eye issues, actually. So people would talk about that side publicly. My inbox (laughs) was full of people saying, got it in my face, love it. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) But they tended to be more private about having it done for aesthetic reasons. That doesn't mean that they're necessarily like hiding it lots of those people were up for being interviewed and quoted by name in the article but there's still a little bit of diffidence about it i guess it's harder if people aren't quite so open about having it cosmetically to know just how popular it is but do we have a sense of how many people across the country are getting botox it's really hard to say because the only kind of solid measure for it is how many doses are being prescribed which doesn't tell you how many people those doses are into because you don't know how often they're having them how many treatments they're having a year and then there's the fact that there's a certain amount of black market botox that will have come via the dark web or whatever rather than being prescribed but in 2021 there were an estimated 900,000 injections so it's definitely thousands depending on how those injections were distributed you know how many each individual has and how many um, times they went back for repeat treatment so a lot but a minority it's still abnormal to have botox but i think because the faces we tend to see are more likely to be people whose business is looking very good and so of course those people who are in the public eye are going to be more likely to have botox to some degree and that changes our perception of how normal it is and it changes our perception especially if people aren't being open about having it it does change our perception of what a quote-unquote normal face looks like 
coming up. Botox found a whole new audience in middle of the pandemic. We'll find out why. That's after a quick message from a colleague. I'm Josh Glancy, special correspondent for the Sunday Times, and it's my job to make the newspaper as interesting and entertaining as possible, whether reporting on British drinking culture or interviewing anyone from Joan Collins to Malcolm Gladwell to the cast of Succession. I love my job because I get to meet some of the most interesting people around and then share it with everyone else. We can only do this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. So please subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Introducing Wondersuite from bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Sarah, why do you think there's been this rise in the number of people using Botox recently. Why is it suddenly something people are are more likely to do and and talk about? I don't think it's sudden exactly. I do think that it's something that was definitely bumped up by the pandemic. We turn now to an industry that seems to be booming during these difficult times, plastic surgery and cosmetic treatments. While these are certainly luxuries that not all can afford, especially now, for some, the lockdowns have given them an excuse to lay low and heal. So there was a huge rise in demand for what are called tweakments, which includes Botox as well as um, collagen fillers, which are used to fill out perceived like lack of subcutaneous fat in certain areas of the face. And there was a big demand for those post-lockdown, basically because people spent so much time looking at themselves on Zoom screens that they had the opportunity to fixate on whatever their equivalent of my cursed Clabella line is, right? (laughs) Whatever you do, right? Whatever you decide you don't like about yourself, once you've had to look at yourself on a Zoom screen for however many hours, it becomes the only thing you can see. That's so interesting. It's so true. You do look at yourself much more than you would in any other normal scenario. Oh, Nobody looks in the mirror as much as you look at a Zoom call. It's so weird and unhealthy. And especially if you're me and you're conducting a bunch of Zoom interviews about Botox. (laughs) Just like (laughs) confronted with your own massive face. I'll stop staring. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite a strange experience. And you can totally see how lockdown contributed to that demand. And the other thing is the sort of the rise of selfie culture. And this really feeds into younger and younger 
women and sometimes men going for Botox or tweakments. If you're engaged in social media at all, that's going to involve putting up selfies of yourself sometimes. And for lots of people, that comes with using filters as well and adjusting your appearance in the image. And that then translates into people wanting their actual real life face to match the face that they're able to produce through using filters. Is that what people are asking for now? Is that what you're hearing from the people who are carrying out the treatments? Do they want to look more like a filter of some sort? Well, lots of the kind of filter face, as it's called um, rather unkindly. (laughs) Filter face. Um, Sort of the most drastic examples of that tend to be done using filler rather than using Botox, because obviously filler adds volume to the the face. Okay. Filler is injectable hyaluronic acid. So the most kind of recognisable example that people will know will be when you watch Love Island and all the girls have bee stung lips, that's filler, basically. Uh (laughs) And you know, the idea of filter face, I assume these are obviously quite young people going to get Botox Mm. or or fillers. You know, I would have assumed it's sort of older people trying to look younger or or trying to look less, less stressed or less tired. But clearly this now stretches over a much bigger age range. Yeah. Yeah. I was quite annoyed actually when I was researching this and I came across the phenomenon of younger people having it. Because I was a bit like, it's hard enough already, young people. (laughs) (laughs) Do you not know how lucky you are? (laughs) Yeah. I don't need you preemptively unaging yourself when I haven't even started, you know, reactively unaging myself. I don't think this is fair at all. Are there any long-term side effects? I mean, we'd know by now it's been around for long enough. Yeah, so assuming that the Botox is delivered well by professional in a safe medical environment, it's as safe as a medication can be. There are adverse reactions and one of the issues about Botox because of the uncontrolled way in which it can be administered, there's actually evidence of quite a high adverse reaction rate that isn't necessarily being reported through official channels in the way you would expect it to. Because, for example, if you imagine, like, you know, your midwife at the kitchen table, she is not going to be filling out the relevant documents if someone comes back to her and says that it's gone wrong. What does an adverse reaction look like? So it can cover a lot of things. It can be pain and swelling at the injection site. It can be the worst really is temporary partial paralysis of the face. That's the one that nobody wants. And that is when you're going to get someone who looks very frozen and very, quote unquote, Botoxed. I mean, that really does sound terrifying. Yeah, it's awful. It's one of the reasons that the beauty industry has really like vigorously got behind the idea of regulating the industry is they don't want those problems to happen and it's not good for the business as a whole. Bookings for aesthetic treatments such as lip filler and Botox have gone up by 512%. Uh, 3,000 complaints in 2022. 86 of those were made about people who had no medical standing. 93% of people who complained to Save Face of improper treatment last year had no idea that serious complications could occur from these procedures. 
And if you can minimise those by having a regulatory system that means Botox and injectables are always being delivered in safe, controlled environments, that's better for consumers, it's better for the industry. But it does mean that if regulation is introduced and if it's done effectively, injectables are going to suddenly become much, much more expensive than they are at the moment. And that is going to really exacerbate the fact that we have a two-speed, a two-class system of ageing really developing. Is it sensible that it should get some sort of regulation? Because that is quite worrying if people are doing it on their kitchen tables, if there is a black market in it. Oh yeah, 100%, 100%. And it's completely shocking. So Botox was originally licensed for cosmetic use by the FDA in America in 2003. So it has been a cosmetic treatment for two decades now. And we have only just reached the point in this country where we're introducing a regulatory framework around this treatment that thousands of women are getting every year and are doing so in the assumption that it's going to be safe because you assume that you would need some training in order to inject poison into someone else's face and none of those things are true but there is a misplaced confidence in the industry there's so much shame that you find when you talk to people who've had plastic surgery or cosmetic procedures that have somehow gone wrong Hmm. I always find that they come to you wounded and physically wounded but wounded in their sense of self because they feel stupid and they feel like they somehow brought it on themselves by putting their trust in people who you know who were always out to exploit them anyway which is really upsetting. It's interesting too because you know it feels like so much of this the Botox experience you know where even when it goes well it does seem to be tied up with people's sense of self I mean is that alone quite worrying is there just an insane pressure on people now to look a particular way regardless of their age there is a lot of pressure and the existence of Botox makes that pressure greater if in your circle of friends say one of your friends starts to have Botox suddenly you're going to be comparing yourself to her and your standard of what is a quote-unquote acceptable way to be ageing is going to be influenced by what your friend looks like. It spreads by social contagion, like any of these things, like having your hair dyed or getting your nails done or, or even fake tan. Your sense of what is normal is set by the people around you and that's as true for Botox as it is for anything else. And for you, having looked into it now, there are parts of it that sound terrifying, particularly the regulation, but do you think now, having done all the research, will you do it? Will you get it done? Well, not immediately. The main reason for not having it done immediately is I would be talking about spending about £1,000 a year. That is Is a lot of money. It is a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but also I think it's interesting because, again, it's the kind of contagion thing. Once a bit of my brain went, that's a lot of money. Wait, that's how much money it costs to do it. Well, if I was going to spend that much money, what would I spend it on? And suddenly I put myself an appointment with an orthodontist. I was like, it honestly doesn't matter how much I write about this stuff or how much I'm, you know, analytical and conscious about the processes involved. It still happens. It just goes on. Reels you in. 
exactly. Do you think Botox is something you might come back to? Is it something you'll end up doing at some point? I do think so, or I certainly wouldn't rule it out. And mm. I've gone kind of back and forth on this. And I do think that there's no way around the fact that once you have it done, you create the context where other people have it done and you create the pressure that mm. does help to drive that, that exploitative end of the market. You are fundamentally complicit in a very small way in this whole thing once you have it done. But on the other hand, I can definitely see a future where I feel much less bad about that than I feel about my glabella line, like 100%. Good luck with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now thinking, God, the... do I, should I be getting Botox? I don't <laughs> well, it's so bad, isn't it? I actually feel quite guilty about it. <laughs> but I, don't know. I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, The Sunday Times columnist, Sarah Dighton. Sarah writes about culture and lifestyle and has recently written about Tetris. That's right, the video game and its origins back in the USSR. Definitely worth a read. You can find all of Sarah's work at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription or in print on Sundays. The producer today was Priyanka Delardia. The executive producer is Kate Ford and sound design was by David Crackles. If you can, please do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you again soon. <laughs>